first the uh, again what percentage of your orders are getting delivered within 48 hours right so accordingly ensure your inventory is distributed so that at least 60 to 65 percent of all your orders are delivered within 48 hours otherwise you will start losing traffic to amazon and flipkart for your for your product and your returns will start increasing Hey guys, uh, welcome to yet another episode of e-commerce growth academy. I'm your host Mohit. Uh, uh, today we have Ajay, right? Founder of a warehousing, full, full stack warehousing and logistics solution, MZR for e-commerce. Welcome Ajay. You know, thank you for taking some time out today. Uh, thanks, uh, Mohit. Uh, pleasure to be here and uh, look forward to, to, to this chat here. Excellent. So yeah, Ajay, you know, it's always good to get to know a bit about yourself, you know, how did you start, a bit about your story behind it, right, uh, uh, for the listeners to understand. Yeah, if you could just, you know, give us a brief background. Sure, sure, sure. So, so hi guys, I'm uh, Ajay, founder of uh, Emiza. Uh, so, we, so my background primarily has been in logistics and supply chain. I've sort of spent the last uh, 20 years doing the grind in uh, logistics, uh, worked for two uh, large MNCs prior to going out on my own venture and uh, sort of the reason why I started Emisa was primarily at that time, uh, this was early 2016, where I saw that uh, there was a lot of activity happening around e-commerce and there were a lot of specialized people for other verticals like automotive and engineering, but there was really no specialized service provider who could sort of help the SMBs when it came to their journey on e-commerce, right? So, so that is where I saw that gap in the market. And I said that, look, let's, uh, let's create a company where we can offer fulfillment as a service, you know, on a plug and play basis when that wasn't even a concept uh, back then. We were one of the first to sort of bring that out. Uh, and we brought the whole fulfillment as a service into Vogue, where we were where we onboarded several brands very early in their D2C journey, like Mama Earth and Wow and so on and so forth. And uh, and then from there, we've evolved from just fulfillment into packaging solutions, last mile, and all of this is now sort of nicely layered together through a tech play as well. Lovely. So, you know, the warehousing and logistics, I think when you started was not a very, you know, a straightforward, uh, you know, idea, someone to, you know, kickstart this, right? But over the peers, I think right. you have you must have seen the various colors of you know the warehousing solution changing you know as the landscape of e-commerce revolving around it. Right, Ajay. So what do you think? Like you know, how the warehousing and logistics solutions have changed uh, across the e-commerce landscape, Ajay? So I think if you ask me, right, I think the the entire complexity of channels has changed over time, right? I think earlier when uh, e-commerce first started, it was fairly simple. People were relying on FBA and FBF. For fulfillment sending product there most brands were just happy selling goods so on and so forth but what i've noticed now is two three different trends right one was in terms of channel ownership brands are wanting to take control of the channel right so therefore being able to have in-house fulfillment capabilities to manage sellerflex uh, flipkart mintra within your own facility using the same inventory for multiple channels uh, building your own pipeline of customers through your d2c strategy right uh, so that's been sort of that has caught on actually within the last sort of three to four years specifically. And now there is a very, there's a tremendous push towards offline and retail, right? So what's happening is that brands have realized that they can't just be a D2C brand or just an e-commerce brand, right? You have to be where the customer is, right? So you have to have a multi-channel strategy and therefore your entire backend supply chain, warehousing, and all of that has to sort of uh, fit in there. And that is number one. And two is the role of tech is becoming more and more important because the moment you have multiple channels, uh, you've got inventory which you want to use across multiple channels, the complexity of that operation increases manifold, right? So that's where I've sort of seen things moving. So I only see the op operations getting more complex, channels getting more complex, and therefore brands need to sort of evolve to be able to sort of stay ahead of that. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the catalogs of, um, you know, the e-commerce also has diversified. Like, you know, now it's, yeah. I think anything and everything what we think of is available online to be shipped, right? 
absolutely right. but one important thing that i think is very important to note right that uh, the ecosystem is significantly involved right so while we talk about channel complexity and customers needs to be where where they need to be the ecosystem is evolved so people are 3pls and service providers have been able to raise the ante right and be able to provide solutions that allow a brand to be able to you know offer an experience comparable to an amazon right so it's now possible to do that earlier maybe 5 years ago it was you know the aggregators were not available fulfillment companies were not available tech was not there it was you know so all of that has also evolved simultaneously right so that's why i think now brands have that conviction that they can sort of manage this kind of a complex operation absolutely right you rightly touched upon you know the evolving strategies around it right so having said that still i think someone who is starting it up or someone who is in a mid journey right uh, there is there is a uh, not very clear direction in terms of that you know hey what would be my logical warehousing strategy people actually make mistakes and then they learn right so if you have to probably devise the logistic or the warehousing strategy in say you know two three buckets like you know as a what i should do between you know 0 to 1 right 1 to 10 or probably when you are scaling right? so what would be the thoughts around that idea so my suggestion would be see when it's sort of a 0 to 1 it's the brand is really sort of in that whole product market fit right so at that point of time uh, the inventory levels are going to be low uh the brand doesn't have a lot of product so i think they at that point zero to one the brand's focus really needs to be on making sure that the product works you know i think and ideally in those scenarios brands tend to operate from their own garage or own office right uh, they tend to use and at that point of time the, the brand is not known so they tend to rely more on fba or a marketplace or a cred right or someone like that for product discovery that only through that will you really realize if you have a product market fit the moment you sort of go from zero to one so zero to one it's i think more about managing it in house and when i say zero to one if i put it in context for for the viewers i would say anybody who's maybe at a thousand or less than a thousand orders a month off their own website off okay. their own website right so which means you put marketplace website all together you're probably at about 2 2500 orders right so at once you hit that 2 2500 orders you reach the scale where now it's not going to be easy for you to to handle it on your own right so that's where they need to start thinking about the 3pl strategy so i would put 0 to 1 over there uh, the 1 to uh, the 1 to 10 journey really is about that scale that's when the brand sort of raise, raises some capital right they have raised capital now and they are now at a point where uh, they can take a few experiments they need to sort of expand geographically so at that point of time definitely a second location is critical uh, they need to analyze where their major shipments are coming from uh, look at how they can sort of replicate inventory over there from a from a d2c point of view uh, and that's how i would suggest that they start building and i think brands should at least at the 1 to 10 stage look at 3pl so that is the right stage to look at find the right partner uh, and sort of uh, begin that uh, begin that journey there yes i think you touched upon you know i think a couple of times around technology right where you know technology is playing and will be playing probably you know a good role in this whole sector right so what is your thought in terms of you know does it only be you know encapsulated uh, so i'm talking about the warehousing piece that right? does right. brand has also needs to worry about that hey something which they need to do from their end right from from the warehousing and logistics strategy or it is only probably the provider has to take care and probably you know use the various technology enabling this journey so so let me put tell you tell you right typically today in in the uh, e-commerce ecosystem any seller no matter how big or small he could be at 10 orders a day he could be at 10000 orders a day people are working on three to four different systems right you've got someone working using a checkout platform then you've got somebody using an oms or a wms that's available on a saas basis then you've got them working with a shipping aggregator or a direct shipping partner and then they they're working with the communication stack for their transactional messaging on whatsapp so it's fairly complex they've got four different minimum four different moving parts and then obviously if you outsource the warehousing you also have the warehousing provider in the mix right so four to five different providers are typically 
what come in, right? And that is where things tend to get difficult, right? So ideally, if the brand can find a provider who can sort of take away some of that complexity, you're already focused on building a business, right? Mm -hmm. So find a service provider who's not just a, a dummy guy who will just pick and pack an order. Evaluate how deep is this tech, tech stack? How wide is it? How many of my various requirements can be taken care of in one place, right? Because you're not at that scale where you can have four service providers, right? When you get to scale and you're at that 10 to 100 journey, that's where you can look at optimizing each part, right? But when you're in the one to 10 journey, it's all about being effective, right? Efficiency can come a little later. So how do you become effective, right? So you need to reduce the number of touch points you deal with, find somebody who has a solid tech stack and a solid operational capability to, to deliver what you need. I think we very uh, rightly put here, you know, going with a solution provider, who has probably you know sort of a full stack arrangement right Correct. around these things that you know from from a brand perspective i should be focusing on what's more important for me right because see, at that scale you don't have you can't have resources uh to man one guy looking at the warehouse one guy looking at the shipping one guy looking at the tech and the integrations that you can't a brand at that scale can't afford so many people right at best they can have one guy so that one guy should deal with four people make his life easier and let him deal with one person max two people right to get the get things done so, so coming back to, you know, you, you actually touched upon, uh, of someone who's handling multi-layer, right? Like, you know, more than one services, right? Uh, but still, is, is there a guideline somewhere, you know, if you are to tell to the brands saying that, Hey, you know, how do you choose one, right? How do you choose your provider? Right. And in, in asking some, some very specific questions that, Hey, these are the guys, I think the good fit for me now. Right. And, you know, probably, you know, Ajay can take care or anyone who's providing on the similar lines, right. How do I decide that this is my right uh, logistic or the warehousing partner? So I think there are there's a checklist, right? So typically a brand who's sort of going down the journey of looking at outsourcing, right? So first step uh, would be to sort of do a demo of the tech stack, right? What kind of tech capabilities do you have? How integrated is the whole thing, right? Because only then when you actually look at the tech stack and see how integrated, do you realize where the breakpoints and where the failure points are, right? The more integration you tag on, the more things. So that's the first thing. Look at the tech stack, take a demo, understand what's what's available, how deep and how wide is it, right? That's the first step. Second step is uh, go do a warehouse visit. That is an absolute must. You should go to that service provider's warehouse and have a look, right? Go and kick the tires, right? Like when you're buying a car, you go see it, kick the tires. Go do that. Go see the actual operation. See how the processes are running on the floor. See the team that is there in that warehouse uh, of the service provider. You know, how how well do they understand the process, right? Uh, how, how compliant is that facility from a fire, safety? You know, only when you go to the ground, right? Will you understand and you'll be able to visualize these things, right? So that's the... The second thing that they have to do. The third thing is definitely do client references, right? Are they working in a similar industry? Uh, how complex are the operations they're handling, right? So in, in that warehouse, are there at least 15 different clients, 10 different clients of multiple complexities, multiple scales, right? That gives you that confidence key, you know, this guy can handle it, right? Uh, if you're a small brand, are you also seeing other small brands or is this service provider only used to handling enterprise, right? So these are the things that they need to look at and definitely do client references for sure. Go talk to some clients, get feedback. Uh, and then I would say if you select somebody, then try with one location, start with a small amount of inventory mm -hmm. and then sort of uh, take it from there. That's how I would recommend that they should go about it. Yeah. I think, you know, very uh, uh, neatly put at least in the order to go by. Right. So now, you know, now moving ahead, now I have firmed up Ajay right now, you know, I found Ajay as one of my good partner, right. And I started my journey, right. So what are the key matrices, like, you know, the successful KPIs, which I would, you know, a brand would like to monitor, you know, the period of XYZ month, right. Hey, now I think we are good. So I think if you ask me, right, a uh, couple of key things. One is, uh, let's sort of break it into two, three different parts. I'll first talk about the warehousing and fulfillment part. And mm -hmm. then I'll talk about the, the last mile part, right? So on the warehousing side, definitely what's the order to dispatch, right? So is the basis, whatever cutoff that is agreed, whether it's a 12 p.m. cutoff or a 2 p.m. cutoff, are all orders received by that time dispatched 
dispatched the same day, right? Mm -hmm. If it's so, basically, you have to ensure minimum within a 24-hour dispatch or the cutoff, whichever is earlier, right? Mm -hmm. uh, second is uh, if it's marketplace, then SLA breaches, right? What's the health of the account? Keep a close watch on it. The marketplace breaches should not happen. Mm -hmm. So that's on one side. Second is on inventory accuracy, right? This is something. There are two issues that actually go hand in hand. One is your inventory accuracy, and the second is your returns. Okay, uh, this this is the difference between being a profitable company and a loss-making company as a brand. If you don't focus on your inventory accuracy in terms of what is that, and, and you look at inventory accuracy as a value, right? So on my books, it shows I've got one crore of stock physically, how much inventory is available in the warehouse. So that is something that has to be at least once in a quarter uh, monitored, and that inventory accuracy both at a value level and at a uh, SKU dispersion level also needs to be tracked. Track. And ideally, the metric there is about 99.7%. So the inventory accuracy should be about 99.7%. Uh, right. Second is... Um, about the uh, uh, one is so the, the regularity of the counts once a quarter 99.7 percent second is returns returns are a very critical part brands have to ensure that products that come back either as an RTO or as a customer return get QC'd and get back into inventory no later than 48 hours so at least 70 percent of your product has to get back into the racks and sellable or if it's damaged marked as non-sellable within 48 hours and the balance max within 96 hours so that's a metric that has to be on the CEO's dashboard you should be seeing how quickly are my returns getting back into my inventory Mm -hmm. Then once you go beyond this, it's about inventory return. This comes back to supply chain planning and how good the, the demand and supply planner is within the brand's organization, right? So a brand, uh, if it's, if you take an average across all brands, about eight to 12 turns of inventory is what a brand should try to achieve in a year. And if it's a apparel brand, obviously the turns are going to be lower because fashion is, is the, that's the nature of the beast. Where if it's an FMCG product, it should not be uh, more than maybe eight to nine turns, right? I mean, it should not be less than eight to nine turns. Mm -hmm. So these would be metrics from a fulfillment side. When it comes to the last mile side, I think the uh, first, the uh, again, what percentage of your orders are getting delivered within 48 hours, right? So accordingly, ensure your inventory is distributed so that at least 60 to 65% of all your orders are delivered within 48 hours. Otherwise, you will start losing traffic to Amazon and Flipkart for your, for your product and your returns will start increasing. So that's uh, one very important metric to look at, uh, the, how many get done within that time. And then the second is uh, in terms of your uh, your discrepancies, weight discrepancies, right? How often are those weight discrepancies happening? Do you have a mechanism in place what's that, uh, to monitor, track, and resolve those weight discrepancies, right? So that is, again, where a lot of uh, leakage happens. So that is what my recommendation would be to a, to a founder. And certain things that a founder can do over there is ensure, like if you're doing if you're bagging your product in a poly bag, right? let's say you're putting it into a poly bag, there and it's in a box which is wrapped in a poly bag. The poly bag should be nicely taped up. If it's not taped up, then it will tend to bleed into the next weight bracket, right? So that's one thing. Second is brands need to freeze their weights, right? Get the courier in, get the aggregator into the warehouse, uh, let them look at the products, give them the SKU master, give them the weights and dimensions and freeze your weight. This will reduce a lot of discrepancies, you know? Uh, also ask the service provider to send you a pre-bill before he generates a bill, Mm -hmm. Ask him to send you the, the workings before that. So that can be validated. Then only the bill gets raised, right? Okay. So these are things that are very, very critical that a, a brand can do to sort of, uh, uh, you know, reduce costs and manage their metrics. Very deep insights, Sajay, I would say. Like, I'm, I'm not sure how many people would be knowing. So unless until they burn their hands, right? Uh, yeah. Secret sauces. So yeah. now shipping cost is one of the, you know, very, very pivotal metric in terms of uh, from a profitability perspective right it all depends upon you know your you know return to order everything matters right so right. what what are like you know couple of quick guidelines for a brands to reduce shipping cost ajay so two i've already covered one was the taping earlier that you need right. to tape the product up and uh, ensure that the, especially if it's a uh, poly bag second thing i talked about was the weight freeze right that's a very important one along with the getting the pre audit billing right which you can verify and then they raise the bill 
besides this, a few other things are very important. One is your zoning, right? So many warehouses are outside the city. So brands go out and negotiate rates for local deliveries at a very cheap rate. Mm -hmm. But then what happens is that they realize that if it's being delivered from their warehouse outside, that is not no longer considered as within city. Okay. It is considered as within, within zone. So you end up paying a higher wage. So you make sure after you negotiate the rates, you also freeze the pin codes what come within within city and uh, because otherwise you'll end up not getting that benefit. So that's uh, one thing is zoning, making sure your pin code mapping is done for within city. Uh, that's one saving. Second is uh, using the right courier, right? Because see, the, sometimes the cheapest courier is not always the best because you have to look at what is their delivery track record and the delivery track record has to be looked at at a pin code pair level. What mm -hmm. is my origin pin code? What is my destination pin code? And why do you look at it at a pair level? Because the pair will talk about all the transits that happen between point A and point B, right? You don't just look at it from a destination point of view. So let's say if it's a, a blue dart, right? What kind of transshipments do they have in between, right? So if they have more transshipments in between, if the connections are not good, that pin code pair performance may be lower. So you have to evaluate it at a pin code pair basis and look at what is their performance over there and then allocate the shipments because number one. Number two is look at what is their first attempt success rate, right? So if, you're, if a courier has a good first attempt success rate and the pin code level performance is good, even if they are 10% higher than the other lowest provider that you have, you should still go ahead and use it because in the long run, you'll save money over there. Correct, correct, correct. So now, having said all these things, right now, you know, still, I think brands would make some mistakes in the initial uh, period of time, right? So, you know, I think you would be knowing by these things that, you know, okay, these are the top couple of mistakes which brands make in the initial years, which they can avoid, right? Any thoughts around that, Ajay? So I think uh, in the initial years, I think you asked me, uh, biggest mistake would be in terms of, again, how they go about, from a, I'm talking about from a logistics, you want me to talk about from a logistics point? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So from a supply chain point of view, I think the choice of partners, I think that is something I've seen as a mistake where we've had so many brands come to us after choosing the wrong partner, right? So somewhere they get carried away. They don't do that due diligence. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't do work. That's where uh, that's a big mistake. And then they end up having to switch service providers. And when you do that, right. the, the cost of that switching is extremely high. And it and you pay the price as a brand, your customer pays the price uh, from an end consumer experience. So that is one uh, mistake. Uh, the second mistake, again, is on the tech side. They're not choosing the right sort of tech, the integration breaks, the configurations fail, they don't give enough of attention. I've had so many cases where brands, I know of brands, the configurations of the SKU master, the channels, they leave it to somebody within the team. That person does not have any clue about what they're doing. As a result, uh, shipping weights break, uh, integrations break, uh, fulfillment breaks. So you have to pay attention to the tech and how it's configured and uh, managed, right? Otherwise, you will have, don't delegate that uh, down the line. Third mistake is again on inventory. Brands tend to overstock initially. They tend to buy a lot of stuff thinking, Ye bikega, wo bikega. so initial years, zero to one, you know, even though you pay a higher rate per unit order in smaller lots, mm -hmm. right? Make sure your product is right. Then sort of, you would pay more for product, you'll pay for warehousing costs, you'll pay for all of that, right? So, Correct. Correct. so those would be some of the common uh, mistakes uh, I would say. Brand -like, so. so you talked about technology also probably in, in the last couple of minutes, right? Just wanted to understand now, how, uh, you know, Ajay is trying to leverage the data which you have, right, to help the customer. We are, we are talking about a lot of prediction, a lot of, you know, AI-based stuff on various verticals, right? right? How do you think, like, you know, from a warehousing partner, because you capture, you know, tons of data around us, right? Right. Brand, right? How can leverage, uh, brand leverage your tech stack, which can enable sure. them into some kind of a predictive stuff, which can, you know, reduce many things? Right. So, uh, we've recently launched our platform called Unify, right, which is an integrated tech stack right from checkout through to delivery, right? So that is 
solving the brand's problem of not having to go to multiple service providers, right? We're getting everything from checkout to fulfillment to last mile and the transactional WhatsApp messaging over there. Yeah. So that's one big benefit the brand gets. Now, because of the data we hold, a couple of different things, right? On checkout, we're able to help with address prefill, right? We handle close to 3 million orders a month. So we have a fair amount of data. So the address prefill and the checkout part is uh, very, very seamless over there. Second is uh, we also help brands through AI and ML with, if you can get their past data for the last six months mm -hmm. on our platform and then help them predict which would be the most appropriate location where they need to uh, store their uh, product mm -hmm. for faster deliveries. Third is, again, because we have a lot of data about uh, delivery performance for couriers at a pin code pair level, we are able to leverage that data by giving an estimated delivery time upfront to the consumer and then ensure that we meet that delivery time. Right? So we leverage data for predicting delivery times like an Amazon does and providing that at checkout uh, to the end consumer, right? And then obviously the entire operations then is sort of back to meet that uh, delivery date, right? So these are some of the ways. And then obviously our platform has a lot of analytics and tools that the customer key has a set up, a single portal where everything he can see. So this is how we've sort of uh, built our tech to solve some of the problems that we've seen from an industry point yeah, of view. I think, you know, one-stop solution again for brands to, you know, see these things. Because, you know, I think returns, you know, uh, you know, fake orders are some of the big challenges, which, you know, I think, most of these tech partners are planning to solve that, right? But I think uh, it's very, very insightful, dis you know, discussion, Ajay, you know, very, very informative, right? Anything else, you know, which, which we missed out, you know, you would like to add here for the brands to capitalize? So I think, uh, I think my only sort of, sort of my uh, advice would be a little bit outside of my own sphere. I'll tell you in terms of what I'm seeing now as a trend overall in the industry, with a lot of brands coming in, people are just spending a lot of money on Facebook and Google trying to generate traffic. Would say focus on fundamentals try to there are enough of niches still available where you can build a good brand get the product market fit right try to grow the business organically because if you grow your business organically 100 you're here to stay and your business will grow but if it's based on the back of marketing dollars it's not going to be a uh, it's going to be a very difficult uh, road right so that zero to one if you ask me is the most important part in a brand's journey they have to nail that right don't try to go one to ten if you've not nailed zero to one right so that's that's my advice, right? For a lot of the startup brands coming up. Absolutely. It means we at Blash, you know, helping brands to, you know, discover uh, their, you know, uh, uh, product discovery journey, right? You know, the marketing cost has been, you know, risen to, you know, four times, eight times at, you know, various cases, right? Uh, it becomes very, very important for brands to understand the fundamentals. Like, how do I actually engage your customers? Rightly put, uh, Ajay, right? Uh, very, very informative. One last section, which is one of my favorite, right? Uh, okay. So, a uh, uh, quick 30 second stuff. Uh, any favorite book you are reading, Ajay, like, you know, which you want to, you know, uh, uh, suggest to our uh, viewers, listeners? My favorite book of all time has been uh, The Goal, right? By Eliyahu Goldratt. It's, uh, it's, I love it because it's about logistics, supply chain and bottlenecks, but that's an amazing book to, to read about how to open up your entire uh, supply chain and logistics. So, The Goal by Eliyahu Goldratt. Okay, okay. Any, any e-commerce leader which you follow, Ajay? E-commerce leader that I follow? Anyone, for a matter of fact. Yeah, I would say, I mean, Amazon. I mean, I think the goal is always, to, uh, so Jeff Bezos and what he's built, uh, I mean, I think that is to me uh, the gold standard, right? Still. Lovely. Last but not the least, you know, what is Ajay's uh, life philosophy, which, you know, viewers can learn from? <laughs> That's interesting. You should probably ask my wife that. Right? She probably have a very different answer to what uh, I would say. But I think uh, my philosophy is about just being, uh, being honest. I think it's, uh, you just have to be true to yourself, true to your, uh, employees true to your consumer because finally end of the day you know bullshit does not sell right so you just have to be as honest as transparent and face facts right i mean that's how i go right whatever is the problem whatever it is be honest face it and move on right i no think problem is too because you can if you if you don't accept it and if you don't 
look at it in the eye, you'll never solve it, right? That's that's my philosophy. Correct, correct, correct. I think very rightly put, Ajay. You know, once again, you know, thank you uh, very much from the entire Blash team. It was a very, very informative discussion. Uh, I learned a lot, right? And there's a whole purpose of this thing that, you know, get to uh, see the problems what the industry is facing being a tech enabler you know we all know technology can do wonders right so no, this is very very informative thank you once again ajay thank you for awesome. having me i really appreciate uh, the opportunity and uh, look forward to meeting you in person soon absolutely absolutely